So what are, what's on your mind? What have you been thinking about? Story structure. <laughs> story, story structure? In what way? Um, that, uh, I don't know. I'm like a, I'm, I'm very interested in structure. And I'm interested because I, it makes me wonder if structure is um, something that actually happens in life or if it's just something that happens in fiction. Because there, are, there have been moments in the past um, few weeks or so, and I have actually labeled those moments as according to what they would be referred to in a screenplay. This is what I, this is what I mean when I say that Randy from Scream gave me my identity when I was in high school <laughs> and why I love Noah in the Scream series. By the way, welcome to Masters of Divinity. I am your moderator, JP. I'm here with Matt Wells. Father Chuck is not with us tonight. Which will be but... glaringly apparent when we attempt to discuss things. <laughs> um, he is I'm... the he's the rudder to our ship of thought. Does that, yeah. does that work? <laughs> Yeah, we're just going to dig around for a topic. This isn't going to be a riff session, but there, there's a topic in here somewhere. Um, first of all, happy October. Yay. You're the greatest month of the year, for me at least. The I love time Halloween. of the year we love. Ooh. Never yeah. mind. Keep going. No, keep going. Did You, you were going to say we should talk about pumpkin spice. Pumpkin spice. That's all we should <laughs> ever talk. I No kidding. Right now, I just discovered the glorious... Uh, thing that is Burt B's pumpkin spice lip balm. Wow, that's amazing. It is amazing. Let me just tell you that. Um, <laughs> I used to think their pumpkin pie was good. I now don't care about it. Um, I just stumbled upon this wandering through Target to pick up diapers, actually. And I was like, oh, look, pumpkin spice. And it's kind of heaven. <laughs> it is. Pumpkin everything should be pumpkin spice. It's amazing. No, I, I, I have no words except for amazing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I was just talking about structure and how I'm obsessed with it and how sometimes I even apply it to my life. And, you know, I think just I think that was a point of what Joseph Campbell was saying in his books. Uh, Joseph Campbell, the famous mythologist. I think he created that word. Mythologist. <laughs> um, he wrote Here with a Thousand Faces which, of course, started the, uh, uh, the very famous an, uh, uh, analysis of the, the hero's journey, which has been applied many times to many books and screenplays, plays, everything. So, but his whole point was that these stories exist in fiction because they exist in real life. Um, I think it's interesting. And I've been thinking a lot that, about that a lot lately because I've been focusing on a lot of movies that are very... Um, grounded in structure i think the matrix i've I just started watching the matrix i'm going to watch the whole trilogy and everything all the supplemental stuff the matrix is very story driven and it has that sort of hero's journey structure to it like you can, you can kind of like pinpoint points in neo's journey kind of the same way you can with star wars and of course i think even scream does the same thing and i just finished watching season two of scream on netflix yeah. and it makes yeah, which is great. If you haven't watched it, totally check it out if you like horror movies and Scream and stuff. Um, not as bad as it sounds. I can attest to it. No, I would actually uh, I would actually argue, even if you don't like the movie Scream, if you're into, for our younger audience out there, if you were into or are into, I think it's still on Pretty Little Liars. 
Mm-hmm. I actually think Scream is very similar, but and, but it's better. Uh, don't get me wrong. Um, but very similar idea. And JP hates that I just compared it to that. <laughs> because but it was one of the reasons why I didn't want to watch Scream, because I thought it was pretty, like, Pretty Little Liars. It is. But did you ever watch Pretty Little Liars? You made me watch an episode. You watch an episode. I will tell you that... It was supposed to be like the episode where everything was revealed or something. Yeah. And you had like, no. Yeah. No, I will tell you that uh, my wife and I got hooked on Pretty Little Liars. And the first couple seasons was when I followed it. And it was, I honestly, I think this show was incredible. But it very quickly lost its way and very quickly got annoying. Like, um, Heather and I were, you know, I've talked a lot about taking your time and mystery. You know that with thrillers and mystery, I like a show to take its time. I like to yeah. ponder and dwell. This show took that way too far. It's like we're four seasons in. Tell me something because you've literally <laughs> told me nothing. Kind of like lost. Yeah, and every time they're like, oh, here it is. The next episode, they're like, just kidding. That was not true, any of it. So they went a little far. But Scream has all the best elements of Pretty Little Liars, but so far has maintained the appeal of the first few seasons of that. So mm-hmm. the interesting thing, and uh, JP will probably attest it, the interesting thing will, will be to see if they can continue it. Because I don't know. Watch seasons one and two of Scream. I can't account for season three because I have a feeling it's starting to... It, there was a trip. There was a stumble. Yeah. There was a stubbed toe. And I don't know if it'll continue or if it'll start limping. Um, so yeah, we'll find it's like out. it's like I said. It, it's it kind of it's kind of veering dangerously close to where the Scream movie series went wrong, which is you know how many people can be mad at this poor girl who didn't do anything. Right. So mad <laughs> that they want to do very elaborate plots to murder her and her friends. Yeah. And not to mention the whole meta ness got like out of hand. Mm-hmm. Like, the first Scream is all about, like, referencing and homaging horror movies and, you know, kind of following their structures and their rules and stuff that have been established by them. And then the sequels are about, like, the rules and structures of Scream. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it, it, it becomes, like, kind of boring and repetitive. And it's like, it's like, it reminds me of, like, that, of, like, a painting and you kind of pull out of the painting and it's a painting of that painting and you keep pulling out and pulling out and it's a painting of that painting, a painting of the painting. That's very boring to me. <laughs> it's like, okay, all right. I'm really tired of this painting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that's Scream. Scream is a painting of Halloween and Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th and Psycho. And then when you pull out, it's that same painting. <laughs> well, the problem is when you pull out, then it's just a painting of Scream. And then right, when you exactly. pull out further, it's just another painting of that painting of Scream. <laughs> like it, you Five... Even, you even lose the original the original appeal to it. Five people going through painstaking situations to elaborately murder Sydney, who did nothing. <laughs> and five now, people and five people, mind you, who although the movie attempts to make the movies make an attempt to tie them all together, five people who honestly have no reason to keep going to these same painstaking efforts. Because they keep dying. <laughs> and it's just it's like guys, one of you has gotta be like, Yeah, the, the guy did the, he deserved it. I mean, look what he did. <laughs> or just being like, maybe Sydney's like better than us because she keeps killing us when we try to kill her. <laughs> I mean, how many insanely psychopathic people could come from the same very small circle and to the point where they all are willing to carry out the same thing <laughs> we might be describing gamergate right now though yeah so. <laughs> 
and we just discovered that this is all just a precursor to Gamergate. Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) Just how many many evil people can exist in one circle. Um, (laughs) Wow. Yeah, no, the the movies make so much more sense now, JP. (laughs) Yeah. Life just fell into... So, our topic is that. (laughs) (laughs) Our topic is structure, JP. (laughs) Structure. Find our structure. What is our structure? What is? You know, my favorite, you know what my favorite part is mm-hmm. in, when it comes to screenplay structure and story structure? My favorite part is the reversal. And it usually happens in the middle of the second act of a story. And it's usually like when the character is like at its lowest and he has to like kind of climb back up to the, the, the story again. In Star Wars, it's the part where Luke is in the trash compactor. And he's taken down below by that weird alien thing. Which, by the way, that ski that scene scared the crap out of me when I was a kid. Because I always thought that he was going to die. Like I've seen it plenty of times, but like when I was a little tyke, I was like, "Luke's dead," you know. <laughs> so it's it's that in Star Wars, in the Matrix, I would say it's um, probably when Morpheus gets gets captured. Um, I guess it could be argued. It doesn't. The Matrix doesn't really follow that many conventions because it could also be when, when like Neo dies. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, well, that's why, why don't why don't we start here? Can you give us a two minute? Um, give us structure. What is the structure? Like, there's Act One. Yeah. What is the well, point? Yeah, of I Act mean, One. Okay, so I mean, in, in screenplays, at least, and in the very very basic, there's there's Act One. There's there's usually three acts. Mm-hmm. Your your normal everyday movie that you go see every Friday, usually consists of three acts. Act one, in your first ten pages, you're, you're getting to know who your character is. I mean, if if they follow the rules. Mm-hmm. No, we're just going by rules right now. Act one, introduction. Right, like here's Die who, Hard. Here's who, here's who they are and here's what's happening. Yeah, like, like Die Hard. You mm-hmm. learn a lot about John McClane within like the first ten minutes of that movie. Mm-hmm. Like you learn he hates to fly, that he's divorced, or he's going through like a horrible divorce his marriage is on the rocks um and that he's out of his element blah 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 you know who john mcclain is and what this story is going to be like for the rest of the movie act two is sort of like things are kind of put into motion and it's usually happened by the end of the first act And what happens at the end of the first act is some kind of incident happens the inciting incident the inciting incident (laughs) which is a term created by robert mckee author of story I don't recommend his stuff unless, I don't know, you want to beat your head against the wall. Um, <laughs> usually within the th- first 30 minutes of a movie, an inciting incident happens. Die Hard, the, you know, the, the, the terrorists take over. Um, in Star Wars, uh, I would say it's when Amperu and Uncle Owen are killed. The Matrix, uh, he gets out of the Matrix. Basically, it's a point of no return. You have to, like, kind of go through whatever it is you're well, having. In the Matrix, it's it's the pill. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. <laughs> that's like, that, speaking yeah. of Gamergate, um, it, it, <laughs> it's, it's literally choosing the pill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when he gets out, yes. I just and had to reference the literal pill because you made the Gamergate reference already. <laughs> right. And uh, and usually there's that second act. And, and then in that second act, there's that reversal like I was talking about. It's the point where, mate, where Neo... Uh, you can or you can argue it is when I, I think I personally I think it's when Morpheus gets captured, because it's also when Neo is told by the Oracle that he's not the one. Mm-hmm. 
And so he, you're kind of left with like, oh, oh wow, genius. he went through all the, he went through all this crap, and now he's being told, and he's being told he's the one. And now he's like, okay, I'm now stuck in the quote real world. I'm not this guy that everyone's making me out to be. And then my the guy who who promised me all these things is like captured. What are we going to do? So it definitely is a point in the story where it's like all is lost. And it's all, and it's usually my favorite part in every story. Lord of the Rings, at least in Fellowship of the Ring. I've kind of tried to follow the structure of that movie. It's really difficult. <laughs> just because you're, you're adapting a story that's so old that didn't really go by any kind of formula. It just it just because it went by Tolkien's like expert understanding of story. If he were alive today and he talked to Joseph Campbell, he would probably say he was full of crap. <laughs> you know, Fellowship of the Ring. I, I mean, second act reversal, I guess it would have to be like um, maybe in Minds of Moria. Maybe like Gandalf dies. Probably. <laughs> it's been so long. I don't know. I, I will tell you, it's funny. You're talking about Lord of the Rings and um, moments and when they matter and all that stuff. The paper that I referenced in one of our previous episodes that I wrote, where I used Tolkien as a um, source to back up what I was saying, and my mm -hmm. professor marked me down because he said you can't use the author to say what the story actually is about because he was very into death of the author. Right, um, yeah. Was on the topic of Gollum and at what point did Gollum pa pass the point of redemption? So I, I don't think we, we talk explicitly about what the argument you were trying to make. Is this the argument you were trying to make that he was actually redeemed? No, Gollum? no. Or um, that he wasn't? No, I forget what our I forget what in in the context of our episode what what it came. Well, not up the as. not the episode, but like what the point you were actually trying to make with 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 your teacher. No, I I he wanted us to talk about whether Gollum had reached a point where he could not be redeemed, and okay. if he did, when did that point occur? And then back it up. I and you gotta you gotta bear with me here. It's been a long time, so I don't okay. remember the stories exactly. I haven't even seen the movies in probably seven years. So it's been a while. But um, but I argued that he passed the point of redemption when there's a scene in the movie and there's a part in the book where um, Frodo is sleeping and Gollum is debating whether or not to steal the ring or help him. And during that, that's when I was like, that's when he, he missed his chance. That was mm -hmm. when he made the decision that took him down the path that led to him being... Um, being killed, destroyed at the end, because he he chose that path instead of choosing to help. Um, and I used Tolkien as a reference because I got a book of letters. There's a book out there that is nothing but letters which Tolkien wrote to other people. It's a collection of letters that he wrote, and in one of the letters, JP, he ex he spells out. That Gollum passed, he missed the point of becoming Smeagol. Is that how you say the name? Yeah, Smeagol. Um, Smeagol missed the point of going back and fully became Gollum during that moment. And I found that letter after I already started this paper. And I'm like, holy crap. Tolkien just flat out said, here's where he missed the point of redemption. And I got marked down a, an entire grade for that. <laughs> Because I quoted him, <laughs> he well, flat out fair. said, "He flat out said, Gollum 
missed the point of turning back here and I missed it. <laughs> and he couldn't give you a point for actually finding it, like without the internet, even oh, like no. You, no. you had to read through yeah. a whole book of like yeah. letters to Tolkien. And it's like, uh-huh. yeah. And I still have weird. that book, lest anybody doubt me. I still have the book. That's just a collection of Tolkien's handwritten letters to people that somebody typed out and put into a book. It actually um, sounds like a cool book. I still got it. It was. It was pretty neat. Um, and I stumbled across that one. I forget how, but I flipped through letters like you wouldn't believe looking for stuff. And I found this discussion where he told somebody, here's the moment. Maybe on the next episode, I'll, I'll have the book and find the exact quote since we've now referenced it twice. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, anyways. But, but you were talking about story structure. So we've got act one, kind of introduction. Right. Here's your characters. Here's who they mm-hmm. are. Here's, here's the moment. You're setting up the world. You're, mm-hmm. and, and the most important thing you're setting up is you're setting up a desire in your yep. protagonist. End of act one, beginning of act two. Something happens that now forces that person to begin acting. Usually beginning, it begins their journey to actually pursue that desire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're right. So... Um, Matrix, Act 1, Neo, sleeping in front of a computer, wakes up. You find out Neo's a hacker. Neo uh-huh. has this idea of the Matrix. He wants and to it, know it's, what it is. And it, what's funny is it's totally spelled out in exposition in, like, in like two different interviews. <laughs> His boss is telling him, like, you think you're special and the rules don't apply to you. Foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he gets captured by the agents after talking to Morpheus on the phone. It's like, there's two ways out of this building. You can either go through the front door or out that scaffolding. He chooses to go to the front door with the agents and they 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 introduce neo to us by telling him he lives two lives so yes mm-hmm. um and right. then act end of act one beginning of act two a moment happens where everything changes and the character has to begin a journey again yeah. matrix we say it is the he chooses which pill and then finds right. out the matrix is not real Exactly. Yes. He wakes up in the in, in the real world mm-hmm. and is recruited into the ranks of the resistance. Which momentary pause. If you're listening to this right now and you haven't seen The Matrix, because we're getting old, <laughs> JP, we're getting old. This movie is how old now? Uh oh, I don't want to talk about that. That is that is <laughs> wait, do we count the first movie or do we count the last one? The I don't... first one. It is scary. When to it think. comes out on Blu-ray or <laughs> Um, it's about three years old. How about so. digital release? <laughs> <laughs> it's scary how it, old it this came movie out is. in 1999. I was 15 years old oh when I saw my, Matrix in theaters. Oh my gosh, that means I was probably 14, JP. So I'm, we're thinking 15, about 17 years old. <laughs> Moving right along. Um, so there's a good chance that if you're listening to a podcast, yeah. You are born in an era that understands what podcasts are and therefore has never seen The Matrix <laughs> because <laughs> it's very pre-podcast. Um, yeah. So 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 go watch it. The fir- the first Matrix, it will turn your world upside down. Well, you say that to say um, that we're spoiling the whole thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we spoil it, but at the same time, we can't spoil it because if they're listening to this, they're going, what? Yeah. So they, they have to they have to go wa- go watch it. The first Matrix. You got to see it. Mm-hmm. Um Stop right now. Go watch it. Come back to this podcast <laughs> later. Trust me, this is our podcast. We love it. I want you to listen. But I am giving you permission to place the matrix above us. Hit pause. Go watch it and come back. Um, act one, Neo's introduced. Act right. two, he finds out what the matrix is. Mm-hmm. The event we talked about somewhere in act two, there's a reversal. Right. So explain the reversal a little 
for who what for okay us, for me so the, the reversal uh, leading up to act two and i'm, I'm referring to the matrix because it's fresh in my mind so it's coming out more um leading up to this point we are told that neo first of all we, we set up the world of the matrix we set up the rules the history we learn everything about what's happening in this story and in addition to what's happening in that story we learn that neo is prophecy it, it is possible that neo is the one um sort of like a savior to come and free everybody from the matrix and i guess destroy the matrix and stuff the free humanity from the matrix so and we're we're really it's, it's really hammered to us to the point where neo is starting to believe it that maybe it could be true and we're taking that journey with him so we start to believe it as well um he goes through a series of tasks that might may or may not prove it they end up not proving it do you really think that's air you're breathing <laughs> one of my favorites right you gotta watch this movie seriously that quote love it love it oh wait wait stop trying to hit me and hit me yeah <laughs> uh, love it love it keep great. going keep going we're going with great you. stuff great it's stuff. part of the tasks people i'm just giving um, you movie moments <laughs> so what's part about the the great thing about the reversal is that in this second act reversal what happens is neo is taken to see the oracle and the Oracle, as we all know, is someone who is like Morpheus calls a guide in the Matrix. She knows she he, he asks Neo asks does she know so she knows like everything. And Morpheus says she would tell you she knows enough. Um, you can tell I just watched this movie today. <laughs> so but I feel like um, I just I'm picturing the whole thing as you're talking. I feel like I just saw this. Yeah. Um, the and spoon. what's interesting is and, and there, there's there's so many other layers to it. And, and I one thing I kind of notice is that you see a journey in Morpheus's character, too. There um, is no spoon. Yes, exactly. That that is the scene, <laughs> the famous quote. There the is famous no spoon. Quote, there is no spoon. You know, a little aside. When this movie came out, I remember going to school, the following Monday, and meeting with my uh, other nerd friends, and we all talked about how we wanted to make a T-shirt that said "There is no spoon," and that sort of blurriness. You know, that blurry text that was kind of popular back in the nineties. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. They're like kind of polka dots, so they look blurry. They're like, wouldn't that be an awesome T-shirt? Yeah, it'd be so cool. Nobody else has thought of it. <laughs> it's become like this huge quote now. Um, we thought we were so original. So he meets the Oracle, and uh, I think the best thing about that scene is that he, she tells Neo that you're not the one. She tells you what you need to hear. Right. She tells That's you another exactly great quote. She tells you right. what you need to hear. Uh, and even like little small ideas are introduced in that scene alone. Things like... Um, when he knocks over the Voss, before he knocks it over, she says, uh, like, uh, don't worry about the vase. And he's like, what vase? And he knocks it over. And she's like, that's okay. That's What's really going to burst your nose if, would you have done if I didn't say anything? Yes, it's an... This whole movie is centered around structure. Can we just hit pause and can I go watch this movie again? <laughs> it's been so long, JP, and The Matrix is incredible. It's an incredible movie. Um Again, the, those younger listeners who are out there, I personally, this is personal, personal, uh, there's people who dis- disagree with me. I personally would say just watch the first one. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about the second, third one. <laughs> you, don't, you, don't, you don't need to see them. Um, there's some moments in them that are pretty good, but overall, they're, they're ju- they just kind of get lost in their own, their own thing, especially the third one, in my point, wasted time. Um, but anyways... <laughs> yeah. 
But the first Matrix is amazing. It's incredible, JP. And the moments in that movie, the vase and the discussion that takes place with one sentence, which you said, the real thing that's gonna gonna rock your world. What you say? Yeah. Uh, uh, burst, burst your noodle. Yeah, the real thing is whether or not you would have done it if I didn't say it. In that one yeah. sentence, this huge discussion on self-fulfilling prophecy. Right. And like the idea of if I decide, it's what's going to happen. And then immediately, big shocker, immediately she tells him, you're not the one. Right. And then he is faced with the, what you say, the reversal, that moment. Um which is, in your opinion, when Morpheus is captured. Right. And he is then forced to decide for himself whether he believes or not that he is the one. So they you know, it's this... interesting. There, there, there's a fan theory out mm-hmm. there. The part when she apologizes to him and says, sorry, you're not the one. Uh, she's making cookies. Mm-hmm. And she gives him a cookie and he takes a bite out of it. There are fan theories out there that theorize that there is something in that cookie that probably made him. Oh, no, that's nonsense, because I don't think that's important, because <laughs> I don't think that's important, because Morpheus, right. Morpheus's quote right after that, when Neo goes to tell him what he told, what she told him, and Morpheus stops him and right. won't let him say, and he says what she said, he basically, to paraphrase, what she said is for you, and she right. tells you what you need to hear. Yeah. Um, it has nothing And it was to do for with, him alone. Yeah. Yeah. It has nothing to do with the cookie. The point is... What Neo needed to hear to become the one is he needed somebody to tell him he is not the one. Right. Because that led him down this personal journey of doubt that he then reached a point where he said, it doesn't matter anymore if I'm the one or not. I have to do this. Which, right. in my my opinion, is what made him the one, is the choice that it doesn't matter anymore. I'm not the one, so what? I have to do this anyway. So he had to choose it for himself. Um, guys, if you haven't seen this movie, come on. Don't worry about that. Yeah, I'm sure they have. Go, <laughs> or they I've haven't, written, they probably will. JP, I've written articles based off this movie. I, I've written all <laughs> sorts of things. Just you you got to search. My, my old blog has one in there about stop... Um, stop trying to hit me and hit me. I just, yeah. Oh, really? Uh, Interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't know that. Thing in there. Oh yeah. I got this whole thing where I talked about, um, stop trying to be the person you believe you should be and just be the person kind of an idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just a whole thing based off of the, the matrix. Stop trying to hit me and hit me. So second act reversely gets captured. I would say the third act starts. And what is the third act? The third act is you're, you're approaching the climax of the film. Things are going to be wrapped up. Uh, Loose ends are going to be tied up. Um, the denouement is at the, the end de- of the second. Is that at the end of the second, beginning of the third? I don't remember. Because <laughs> here's from literature. Yeah. Because you're talking movies, so literature you have the the introduction, the mm-hmm. rising action, which would be your stage two, right. which ends with the denouement or the climax. But if yeah. you're if you're listening and you haven't gone, if you're in college or going to college, um, tell your when your professor is talking about this, say denouement instead of climax, and you'll blow their mind. Um, and then after that, it goes into the falling action, and then mm-hmm. resolution. Right. So Act Two, you reach the climax in the end of Act Two, beginning of Act Three, mm-hmm. and then Act Three, then I guess would be the falling action. Like here's how we end everything. Right. Right. 
pretty much. And the third act is usually the last half hour of the movie. Yeah. Like, let me. The last let me, 30 pages of the script. Let me give you a personal example. The Shallows. Have you seen The Shallows yet, JP? Not yet. Oh my gosh. Go see The Stinking no, Shallows. I, I want to see um, it. Yeah. You have the introduction. You have the character, her backstory, why she's looking for this beach in the middle of nowhere. Um, then you have her surfing and stuff. So you kind of have the act one, the introduction. Um, act two, the shark attack. The first yeah. one, by the way. Oh, hey, there's a shark. Um, this struggle to survive, the reversal when she chooses to survive and that she's not going to let this win. And then you have act three where they butcher the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and just <laughs> slam it into the ground and stomp up and down on it. Because um, this uh, the movie's incredible for Acts 1 and 2. Act 3 is like, what movie is this? Um, but anyway, you haven't seen it yet, so I didn't want to go into the detail like I could have. Uh. However, if you go on iTunes and you watch the preview that iTunes has for The Shallows, you can clearly see this two different movies <laughs> you can clearly see by the end of the preview <laughs> what happened here <laughs> and it even has the moment that something happens and you're kind of like oh well that was a little cheesy mm-hmm. and then the whole thing changes <laughs> from that point on yeah so anyway i sidetracked i think it's all right no I mean, your third act is you really kind of shift the movie into gear you know what i mean like i, I would say the third act is in the matrix is when the start of the lobby scene. Yeah, in most movies, it's the final battle. In most movies, right. it's the big yeah. conflict. It's when the bad guy finally meets the good guy, finally confronts the bad guy, and it's the big fight, the big war, the big blah blah blah. <laughs> like, right. Oh, and the lobby scene, JP. Oh my gosh, people, go watch this movie. The lobby. It does. Scene. It, I, and there, there are some questions I have though. I think are kind of interesting. Um, like when Neo dies. Um, he's, he, and he's done a lot of great things, Leo, to then he's, he's saved Morpheus by just kind of just going head on into the, into the fray. Um, and he's, he's gotten him out of the matrix and he saves, he essentially saves Trinity. She's able to get out too. Um, he's not able to get out. He's stuck with agent Smith and they, they've established many times that you cannot go head head to head with an agent, especially Smith. Mm-hmm. You can't do it. Mm-hmm. Morpheus did it. He got captured and he got the, he got the crappy out of him mm-hmm. and he just decides to do it. Cause that's, that's like. That's that's the path that he's on right now. He's like, I'm not the one anyway, so whatever. I might as well just do it because it's the right thing to do, right? And so he just he just goes ahead, go ahead, he goes ahead and has a fight with Agent Smith. Yes. Doesn't really work out, and so he just runs. Do you <laughs> hear that? Like Cipher's original advice. Do you hear that? That is the sound of inevitability. <laughs> that is the sound of your death. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also like, great quote. Hugo Weaving, by the way, is Agent Smith. My name. Is Neo. <laughs> <laughs> I, for the longest time, you know what they they showed that they used to show that in behind the scenes clips on MTV leading up to when it, when it was coming out. I literally thought his name was Neil. Neil. <laughs> then leading up to seeing the movie. Well, that's anticlimactic. <laughs> My name. I saw the movie. I'm like, Neil. oh, it's Neo. I thought his name was <laughs> Neil. This is before I really discovered IMDb, so it's. <laughs> Uh, kind of just had to go what you saw in Entertainment Tonight, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so he kind of goes with some tries there. He gets pretty much defeated by Agent Smith. He goes. He he actually takes Cipher's original device, what advice, which is to run. And um, just as he's about to escape, he 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 dies. Agent Smith shows up and kills him, and he's brought back to life by Trinity. Right? I mean, is that 
What do you think happens? It's, because she says, I know you're the one because I'm in love with the one and I'm in love with you. Or the Oracle told me I'd be in love with the one and I'm in love with you. Yeah, and she's in the real world and says right. that to him, correct? And then she like kisses him and he comes back? Because that's yeah. the part I don't totally remember. It's it's very <laughs> kind of Disney, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like wakes him by kissing him, brings him back yeah. to life, wakes him. Maybe that's sleep. an allusion to Sleeping Beauty. These Wachowskis. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and, you, know, you know, you know what I will say? Go watch the movie. It doesn't matter. It's stinking <laughs> incredible. Oh my gosh! Uh, should I? Wait. Uh, should they go? Should wait? Wait, Matt. Wait, wait. Are you should saying? Should they go watch the movie? Yeah, they should go. Watch. <laughs> Are you saying I can dodge bullets? I'm saying that you won't have to. <laughs> yeah. When you are ready, you won't have to. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Um, I love it. And then they. But I kind of, I kind of like. I've never really kind of deconstructed what that means that he comes back to life when, when Trinity kisses him. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's, it kind of goes back with the meta nature of the matrix and kind of goes with scream, which is sort of like is reality and fiction, the same thing. Um, you know, cause there's a clear distinction between the real world and the matrix in this movie. And that's pretty much set up the entire film. But he's brought back to life because of what happens in the real world. Maybe it's well, it's a meta thing. I don't well, know. and I also think that it's a. I don't think I remember when this movie came out. There was like Christian books written on it. Like oh yeah, all sorts of them. But I do think um, I'm not saying that. Oh, this has a great Christian message to it because I don't. I don't think that's true. But I do think that the Wachowski the. Say their name. Wachowskis or Wachowskis. Wachowski. I think it's. I actually think it is Wachowski. Okay, the 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 W's. Um, <laughs> they, I do think that they purposefully had a huge religious theme in it. Not Christian, just religious. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I believe that that moment is a very clear Messiah reference, that mm-hmm. he dies but then comes, comes back, back to life. life. Right. So there's course, a resurrection yeah. that takes his, that takes place, yeah. um, and he is resurrected in a whole new way if you will like he he has now he's now figured out how to break all of the rules because right. if you think about it the final rule in the matrix that nobody could break was death if you die in the matrix you die in real life right because your mind thinks it's real and makes it real it can't happen it's spelled out it's clear um you can't die in the matrix so that's the final rule nobody could break in the world of the matrix it's the final it's the final uh the final programming nobody could hack in the matrix. Right. Yeah. Um, cause they could figure out how to break gravity if, mm-hmm. or at least bend it. They bend figured spoons. out, yeah, they found out that, you know, matter, gravity, air, none of that stuff is real. It's all a programming. So if I don't believe it, it's not real. The one they couldn't is death. So he overcame death and broke the final piece of code that nobody could break and came back as somebody totally different because now nothing now none of the rules apply to him he's broken all of them so he's become in the matrix this messiah character who now can free everybody from everything including death itself inside the matrix um so i think that's a very clear message in the in the wachowski's work um in that moment where he's brought back to life um and I do think there's another great one later. I've used this before in a sermon, too, not to be the hipster pastor who uses cool movies in his sermon, because I will say 
this is old enough and I'm old enough to have used this before hipster pastor was ever, ever, a, I was hipster before it was hipster, man. Um, it wasn't even a concept, but in the third or in the second movie, when he has the showdown with, uh, agent Smith inside that like weird coma dream world he's in, that's the second one, right? Yeah. It's not the Matrix. It's like this own thing that Agent Smith. Oh, no, that's into. the third one. That's in the third one? Is it really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a great comment there, too, where Agent Smith is like beating him into the ground. And he's tight. It's a great thing I'm on suffering where he's like, why? He said, why would you suffer for all these insignificant beings for these ants? If you're if you're above all that, why would you suffer? And he's like, because I choose to. And it's this like great commentary on, mm-hmm. again, it's a very religious theme that like this Messiah character would choose to suffer for people in order to free them, in order to save them. He chooses to suffer when he clearly has the power not to. Um, so it's a very, very interesting. There's definitely religious themes. I will not claim the Wachowskis put Christian messages in their movie like certain crappy books did. But I will say that they very clearly played on religion um, and tied in all these themes to it. But I will also say, that's such an awesome movie, JP. (laughs) The first one is so great. There's so many moments I'm thinking of. I love it. I know Kung Fu. And, you know, I'm I'm actually kind of glad you brought up, uh, like, Christians using it in their messages and stuff. Because I remember when, at the height of its popularity... There was some oversaturation going. Some <laughs> over <laughs> over oversaturation going. I remember listening to uh, Way FM and like over and over again them playing like sound bites from the movie. It was mostly Morpheus's monologue about like you 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 were born into bondage. Way FM. Yeah. I love you, Way FM. As a matter of fact, if you if you would like to take our podcast and put it on your station, that would mean the world to us. Um, but I will tell you this. We are referencing a movie that we have decided is probably 17 years old. Is that what you said? A movie yeah. is 17 years old. Um, 90% of the time, you are playing the same music that you were playing when this movie came out. <laughs> um, I love you, AFM, but please, like, give me something new. <laughs> shake it up a little bit <laughs> shake it up shake it up hire us we want to be on your station we love you sorry that's for local people way fm <laughs> is our local christian hit radio station yeah i'm sure they heard that yeah they will <laughs> well dangerous wayne kelly who has connections to way fm may be listening i don't know if we have a theme here if we have an actual point going yet jp so good luck with editing this <laughs> this beast looks so far we're just talking about the structure of the matrix, which I mean, structure is one thing, but symbolism and metaphor and oh, all the other, uh, all the other aspects of the matrix, I just, which, I just... which people have asked Wachowski's like how many uh, points of symbolism are there? And they're like, you'll, you'll never know the number, like more than you'll ever be able to count. Even the point where, where like, I, I think it's interesting where in the scene, where he's talking to his boss at his job where he says, like, you think you're special and the rules don't apply to you. Like, even that little tidbit, like, that is foreshadowing, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, come on. It, this this movie, your introduction to Neo is 
he's asleep in front of a computer and the computer tells him to wake up and he wakes up. Yeah. Um, but then there's a knock at the door and the reason he chooses to go is he's following a literal white rabbit. The person at the door has the tattoo of a white rabbit. So he follows it like Alice in Wonderland, um, which is a theme played on later again with the pill. Uh, choose the pill and you see how far the rabbit hole goes. Like it's just the whole movie is nothing but metaphor and symbols. Um, it's it's just pretty amazing, and I would argue it is a movie that does fall somewhere in the realm of death of the author because I think that the authors directors um, put so much metaphor and symbolism into it that I'm not even sure they knew what half of it 100% meant. <laughs> like it's just an <laughs> endless journey of metaphor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I don't know. It's it's a little frustrating because I think lately the Wachowskis have opened up more. Um, it's sort of about their methods and how they make movies. Mm-hmm. Back then, they didn't say anything about the Matrix. Like <laughs> the commentaries on the on the Matrix DVD are about like a bunch of philosophers and stuff. And I'm like, oh great, I want to hear them like talk about the story, <laughs> you know? But whatever. They do whatever they want. Death of the author. I don't care. I guess they believe in it. Whatever. How did this um, podcast travel back in time 17 years? That's I don't I'm know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so having said that, now let's talk about Speed Racer. Um, <laughs> no. We could just go through the Wachowski's filmography. <laughs> no. No. I, I will say. Assassins with Antonio Banderas and Sylvester Stallone. I actually have not, no. I saw another one in a film appreciation class, ironically. I've been quoted as saying that the film appreciation class that I took showed me movies that almost caused me to stop appreciating film completely. (laughs) And one of them was one of their movies. Um, Oh, was it Bound? Yes, I think it was. Just horrible, horrible. Oh, my gosh. It's what got them the Matrix. I mean, we got them was, was able to. Yeah, don't take film appreciation at Florida Atlantic University. <laughs> that was before I went to PBA and I took a film appreciation class. Don't do it because you, you will be subjected to things that you will never be able to get out of your head, and you will be graded on it. <laughs> so, yay. Yeah. Well, um, so what can we take from this now that we've talked about the structure of the Matrix? Um, like I said, I'm obsessed with it because I, I kind of try to find stuff like that in my own life. I do kind of feel like I'm in a second act reversal in my life. I, I, I kind of feel like this whole country is in a second act reversal, to be honest with everything that's been going on. Whether that's inspiring or, or not, I don't know, up to you. I guess it depends on how you view life. I don't know what's going on with that. I don't know. Yeah. No, well, I think that these these story structures exist because if you look back, like we can't look forward and and foresee where the story structure is going. You know what I mean? Like you can right. think you're in act two right now and find out later, oh, that was just act one. <laughs> like <laughs> I haven't I didn't even hit the moment yet. Um yeah. but if you look at somebody's life from birth until death you can find a story structure in there. Like Mm -hmm. you can find the moment where they decided, here's the route I'm going to take. And then you can find where they were confronted with, okay, that's, it's not working. How do I make it work? Or do they give up? 
and then you can find where they who they turn into by the end and how they die and what what they went on. Um, I think that these story these story structures do exist. Now in life, there tends to be more of a like act one, two, maybe some kind of a three begins another act one. You know what I mean? Like it's almost yeah. like it's a reoccurring thing. But for the most part, I mean, I think of like, if you think of like, um, not to say, not, not to downplay it to a, a story, but if you take like Jesus's life, you can clearly find the story structure in what we have in scripture. You can find the introduction of a baby who's born, born of a virgin. You can find the, the moment when he's baptized and becomes, you know, begins the journey of who he's going to be. You can find the reversal where he's, um, in my opinion, he's um, in the garden praying if there's any other way for this to happen, then, then do that. When he's faced with his crucifixion and he's praying and he's crying out, like, if there's any way to take this cup from me, then do it, but your will, not mine. And then act three is the crucifixion, um, the resurrection, like the whole thing was leading up to that. So you can find these structures in life itself when when you have the opportunity to look back on it um the problem is right at this exact moment we're not always sure which which act we're actually in like i could think i'm in act three when i'm actually in act one still (laughs) you know what i mean or i could think oh this is just act one it's the it's the beginning it's the introduction when i'm actually being faced with the reversal moment of like the decision I make now could be the one that changes the course of my life completely. Um, so yeah, but, but I think that looking back, you can find this clearly throughout life. There's, there's a structure to the way things work. There's a structure to life itself. So when you're writing a story, there's a structure to it. And I think sometimes the most interesting stories mix up that structure in ways that you, you aren't expecting because I feel like that sometimes touches more on how life actually works when you think you're, you know, you think you're in act one and you find out it's act three. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, sometimes that's a, that's a refreshing way to see things. But, but yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting structure. Yeah. Structure or lack of structure. Both. You know, interesting. You know Joseph Campbell, the guy that they wrote, um, here with a thousand faces and, you know, study the hero's journey and stuff. He always tells people, and it, it's it's kind of cliche by now, but um, I think it's good to follow. He always tells people to follow their bliss. And then if you follow your bliss, it kind of, you'll end up where you want to be. Mm-hmm. And part of the forward progression of any story whether it's the Matrix, whether it's Star Wars, whether it's it's high fidelity, any story, it always begins with a desire. Something you want, something the character wants. And that desire is what takes them on the journey to, to, to get it, you know? So I think I think that's sort of the point of structure. Is um, everyone has a story and it always begins with desiring something so i don't know i can't articulate right now i'm tired <laughs> leave me alone you kids well and, and i think it fits into my i've touched on it before but it fits into my when i joked around 
and told you, JP, that I was I was like, I'm going to become a motivational speaker. And I was joking around and said, I found my slogan is, which way is this moving me? Yeah. Um, but in life, it's this idea of like deciding who am I supposed to be? So like as a Christian, I believe I was created and placed here for a reason. Um, that is that I have a purpose. I have meaning. Um, so then I need to decide what is that meaning? What is that purpose? Why am I here? What is the thing that I'm supposed to accomplish? And then everything I do in life should be questioned by which way is this moving me? Is it a step toward what I believe I'm supposed to be? Or is it a step away from who I believe I'm supposed to be? Um, and I feel like in story structure that, that decision is made like if you're a writer and you sit down to write something um, like the matrix you decide i have a character neo and he is going to become the one who saves everybody and then in your story you go i introduce who he is and then i need the event that sets him into thinking about the fact that he needs to be the one that saves everybody and then everything in the story is moments where he is faced with the question of which way is this going to take me? Which way will this move me? Will this be a step toward being the thing I think I'm supposed to be? Or is it a step away from it? And then he's ultimately in a story confronted with the moment that is like, this is when you choose. And that's when Morpheus is captured. After he's told he's not the one, Morpheus is captured. And here he's faced with the moment do I choose to be the person that I think I should be or do I choose to believe that I'm not that person and go back to what I was? Um, and I think in life we're faced with the same thing. We have this idea of here's what I'm supposed to be. Here's where I'm going. Here's the direction I'm moving in. And then every day, every choice, every decision, we need to stop and go, is this taking me a step toward who I'm supposed to be or is this taking me the step in the other direction? And if you keep making the decision to go toward who you're supposed to be, then I believe that's where you'll hit that moment. And in that moment, you're going to hit, be faced with the ultimate decision of, do I really believe this or not? Mm -hmm. um, because this is the choice that if I choose to run now, I'm going completely the wrong way. Um, and if you choose to push through it, then I think that you'll find yourself, it may not mean the job that you think you're meant to do, I don't want to say that, but the person you think you're supposed to become, if you choose to keep taking steps in that direction, then you will become that person. You'll, when you die and people look back, they'll say, this is what he did. Um, it may look different than what you think, which is a lot of how stories do it too, like the story structure. By Act 3, it doesn't always look like what you expected from Act 1. Sometimes you think they're supposed to become a certain sort of character doing a certain job, and later you find out that they're a totally different job, but they're still accomplishing what you what they set out to do. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, like Neo... Um, if he had, if he was supposed to become the one, and by at the beginning of the movie you think that that means he's going to be this like all powerful, super all knowing being who's going to save everybody, but by the end of the movie you find out he's just a guy trying to figure it out one step at a time. But he decided he's going to save everybody. 
Um, either way, he still accomplished what he set out to. He is saving everyone, but it might not look how you expected it to. Um, I think that fits in life. The thing, I, the thing that I think is different in life is the, the reversal that you're talking about. I feel like we're faced with that a million times throughout our lifespan. I think that every time I wake up and choose, I'm going to take a step toward who I'm supposed to be. I'm immediately going to be met with another opportunity to run. And I have to decide again. I'm going to take a step toward who I'm supposed to be. And I'm going to immediately be met with a totally different reason to turn around and run. So I feel like the only difference is in our lifetime, that reversal moment is a consistent, constant, ongoing thing that we we have to face all the time. Other than that, I feel like if you keep choosing to take a step, you're going to wind up one way or the other. Um, and as far as as a as a biblical Christian idea, it, it to me that's the best way of understanding the concept of sin, because I believe that I was created, placed here for a reason. Everything I do is supposed to glorify God, and I'm supposed to strive to be the person He wants me to be. So anything I do that's against that would be what I say is sin. So every time I'm faced with a decision, I need to ask, is this going to glorify God and move me toward who I'm supposed to be? And to me, that's the best way to understand the concept of sin. Is anything that takes you away from that, anything that takes you away from who you're meant to be, and in the Christian, in Christian life, anything that takes me away from glorifying God is sin. So it might not mean like something blatantly obvious like I think it does, like, oh, I told a lie, obviously I sinned. It might be something as simple as I chose to to go somewhere somewhere else. Like I know I should probably go here because if I go and do this with those people, that's going to be a step toward who I'm supposed to be. But instead I choose to go here and do something else. And it may even be something good. I'd, I'd argue that sometimes good things we do could actually be sin. <laughs> Is if I know if I go over here and serve these people, it's a step toward who I'm supposed to be. But I choose to go somewhere else and serve someone else because it's easier or I know someone will see me and I'll get applause for doing it. Um, I think the sin there is that I'm moving away from glorifying God and being who I'm supposed to be. Um, so it's just a, it's an interesting way to look at life, is think of life as that reversal moment. Everything I do, everything I'm faced with is a reversal moment. Um, and for me, um, it even comes down to things like, um, I know I'm not in the shape I need to be. I, I know that I'm not as healthy or I don't do as much as I'm supposed to do. I, I believe that I've allowed myself to become lazy in that area. So when I sit down and choose, hey, it's lunchtime, what am I going to eat? The thing that I choose, it's even as simple as which way is this going to move me? What I pick up and eat right now, is it going to be a step toward a healthier person or a step toward... Um, ignoring it and apathy and allowing myself to just enjoy the moment but continue to, to follow down a path I don't want. I think if you apply that mindset to everything, think of everything in life as the reversal moment. I think that it'd be, you'd be amazed at how your life changes just by thinking every little choice. Like when I wake up in the morning, um, what am I going to do with my day? That's your reversal moment. 
isn't going to take me toward the character I want to be in Act 3? Or am I going to be the one running back to the the guy I was at the beginning of Act 1? Which is how some stories, great stories, end as far as literature and movies. Some great stories end with the character at the end of Act 3 completely being who they were at the end of Act 1. And it's a great example of failure. There's some great stories out there that are a great example of failure because they chose in that in that moment to go backward instead of forward. Um, so it's I think like it's every great. episode of Star Trek and Newton, The Next Generation. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or, as I argued and got marked down for greatly, or Gollum's story. Yeah. Um, if you follow the the Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit, if you follow The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings trilogy, if you follow Gollum's story through that, he has his reversal moment, which obviously I, I got marked down for choosing when I thought it was, but he has his reversal moment, and in that moment, he chooses the wrong direction. So he ends, at the end of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, Gollum is the same character he was in The Hobbit when he was introduced. Although his story arc took this great journey, and he went all these places, his character ended the same way he started. He started as this hopeless creature who wanted nothing but the ring, and he ended as this hopeless creature who wanted nothing but the ring. So his rise then drastically dropped back down. And I think that that's how we, if we choose to view every moment in life as an opportunity to choose one direction or the other, and if we choose the right direction on all the stupid little insignificant seeming moments of life, we would be amazed when we look back to see who we became in the last year, in the last day, sometimes even in the last hour, just by choosing in the moment the right direction to go. So, which way is this moving me? That's my that's my way to view it. Is uh, think of yourself at that that uh, reversal moment, and which way is this going to move me? Yeah. So, and choose that with everything. I think the Bible sums it up great with um, the Apostle Paul's discussion on food and whether you eat or drink, do everything for the glory of God. He's like, even eating and drinking, do it for the glory of God. It's this idea of everything I do, even as insignificant as it might seem, is an opportunity to say, which way is this going to move me? And then make that choice. So... That's well it. said, Hurricane Matthew. <laughs> oh, it's too soon. Too soon. Too soon. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> too soon. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, anyways. So hopefully we found some structure in this episode, JP. I, I uh, you know, if we didn't find it out, I'll find it when I'm editing it. Well, that's that is that is a part of editing is to find structure. Great stories are lost or made on the editing room floor, JP. You know that. Yep. In <laughs> fact, uh, did you know that some people could say that Star Wars was saved in the editing room? I don't doubt it. And now we have the beginning of a whole new story, JP. A whole new story. There's a, there's now a sequel. A whole new. We're in a whole yep. new introduction. We've been introduced. It could be good or bad. You know. We've been introduced to a whole new group of characters, and you know what? You know what? Act one is pretty stinking good. It was good. I don't care what people say, but The Force Awakens is a good act one. So now we will see 
where Act Two and Three takes us in the journey of of this new Star Wars that's that's been pulled out of the hands of the guy who tried to kill it. Tried to kill it. Thank God we had the next Steven Spielberg direct the first one. We'll save that sarcasm for a Listen, whole new episode. I don't hate J.J. Abrams, okay? I don't hate him, but uh, I, I I think the worship is weird. You're, are you one of those people that's like he has too many star titles? Are you are you one of those guys? Too many like what? The whole Star Trek, Star Wars, Star this. He's like, he's oh too many no, star no, titles. I don't care about that. I don't give a crap. No, I, no, I I think I I think that the 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 glorification of J.J. Abrams is weird. Oh, well, I don't I, think I, he's I, don't I because uh, I don't know. I don't want to, it's the whole like can of worms I don't want to get into, but I will say he is not the next Steven Spielberg. Yeah, no, I will say this, um, and we can we can end it here because your our episode would go a whole nother three hours. I, I will say it this way. I don't think J.J. Abrams has a body of work that may, leads me to believe that he's the next Steven Spielberg. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I do think what he did with, with the franchises he's been handed, the last couple he was handed, we're pretty stinking amazing. Oh yeah, he has talents. I mm-hmm. think he's the people. I think his casting is where yeah. he. That's the, where he blows everybody away. Yeah, there's um, there's like a saying in in Hollywood circles and stuff that's they say that J.J. Uh, Abrams is like the best casting director in town or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that. I think, uh, I think he brought us three amazing, awesome characters in The Force Awakens. Uh, I think creating BB-8 was a vision. I think BB-8 is one of the greatest characters of all time. If he has, I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm serious when I say that. Um, I know. I feel blasphemous. I feel, uh-huh. I feel blasphemous for saying that. I think BB-8 surpasses all the other characters. <laughs> all the other characters in the movie. And but I'm also talking about R2D2. <laughs> don't hate know, me, Star right. Wars fans. I don't don't it's, hate me, but I believe it. It's kind of better, a little bit maybe. And if you have any doubts, just think as about if it. you weren't mad enough at me for hating JJ Abrams, now you're going to hate me because I love BB-8 more than RTD. <laughs> if you have any doubts, just think of the lighter thumbs up moment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, BB-8's the man. I don't know what to tell you. Anyways, carry on. <laughs> yeah. Um, JJ Abrams has nothing to do with this topic except that I just don't like it. But whatever. <laughs> I'm not. 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 I'm not. A, I'm not on the JJ train, as they say. Um. Force Awakens was fine. Good oh, job. And I'm not on any JJ train, uh, but I'm glad he did what he did. Now I'm okay with somebody else taking over because yeah, I don't know good, enough about him to care. <laughs> good job. Uh, you get a you get a check, a check on your paper. Do you remember that? Do you remember that grading system? Check minus, check, check plus. No, but I think that he'll be getting plenty of checks <laughs> from, from that yeah. movie. <laughs> uh, all I'm saying is bring on Ryan Johnson, baby. That's what I'm waiting for. That's what I'm here for. Uh, I think that J.J. Abrams did a great job, and I think that he'll be getting a check, 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 check from now until the day he dies. <laughs> do you think Do you think he might direct the next Matrix movie when they bring it back? <laughs> do you know what? Do you know what? Here you go. I'm going to say it right now. <laughs> I'd be okay with that. <laughs> he, he would bring it to great casting. That's I for think, sure. <laughs> I think that we would see it, and we would go, this is an awesome example of how this is going to work. And then hopefully somebody, I mean, I'm okay with other people taking over and taking it to whole new places, but I think that he's done a great job of coming in, taking something that we all love and doing something with it that we all go, yeah, this could be incredible. 
and then hopefully it's handed over to the right person from that point. Because I don't have enough to say that he's the person to carry something, but I think he's done a great job of introducing, reintroducing life into these franchises, is how I would put it. So I'd be okay with him redoing The Matrix and doing the next one and, and seeing where it goes from there. And then maybe get somebody else to do the, the next one after that. That's, that's fine. And I don't think he cares because it's a check. Lots of them. <laughs> He's just getting check pluses for the rest of his life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Good for him. Anyways. It, it, it pays to be the next Steven Spielberg. Um, anyway. Yeah, so this is our introduction to October, which has nothing to do with any of the topics we were planning on talking about in October. No. So. And Father Fun was supposed to call in, but I guess I guess he got too busy. Yeah, he's got kids and a life and a family, you know, whatever. Like, <laughs> Who has that? Like, like your family and your children and your wife. Like that stuff's important. Come on, I mean, the Masters of Divinity want to talk to you. Just call in. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but you know, we're, we're big fans of Halloween, so we're kind of going to dedicate this month to some Halloween-related subjects yeah what i can say i can say i can say join us next week jp as we seriously are going to be talking about fear right because we Um, it's a topic we've been waiting for it is it is a topic we've been waiting for and um throughout the month we'll we'll be sort of sprinkling uh why matt and i love halloween so much i don't know does does chuck like i mean chuck likes halloween I don't know if he likes it as much as we do. I don't know. I feel like next week is going to be fear, and then the week after that will be Halloween. Probably. And we'll talk about why we love it so much. Yeah. So, But, but we won't talk about that now. We're going <laughs> to no. talk about it then. No. Uh, so do you know, uh, a little confession. I, I was actually, since you know last week we, we didn't record an episode because we had hurricanes and tornadoes, um, I was actually thinking about doing... Um, an impromptu episode as sideburns. <laughs> you should have totally done it. <laughs> you should have done it. You should have recorded it. Um, yeah, which it we probably be about. It was going to be about Braveheart. Oh um, my gosh! We will have an episode by sideburns about Braveheart coming to you soon <laughs> here on Masters of Divinity. And we probably should have started with the fact that the reason we didn't have an episode is. Um, some of us are in Florida with a, at the time, what we thought was a Category 5 hurricane that may be heading our direction. And the rest of us were in Oklahoma where there was tornado warnings yeah. and uh, the possibility of hail the size of golf balls. Um, that's why we didn't have an episode last week. But we're all here. We're all good. That's right. That's right. But I'm sure you had politics entertaining while we were gone. Yeah, you had plenty of that. <laughs> But we're in West Palm, so luckily that hurricane literally missed us completely by, like, total luck. It was heading northwest, and then for whatever reason, right before West Palm Beach area, which is where we live, it decided to just go north for a while and then turned back to northwest. And that little north for a while caused it to completely miss us. I mean, completely. Like, the weather we got here was nothing compared to what... Um, in Florida, we would have worried about. So we lucked out. So yeah, but other people did not. And we will say that the uh, we make light of the hurricane here in our area, but we feel for those who did not get away from it. Because um, it was a horrible thing for a lot of people in uh, Haiti, Jamaica, North Florida. Like, there's a lot of people that this was horrible for. Um, so, we're, you know, 
it's it an interesting week here, here in good old Florida. And then yep. in, in Oklahoma is the only other thing I heard on the news, JP. <laughs> I called I called our moderator, JP, and said, uh, I'm watching the news because I'm, I'm, I'm like obsessively watching the hurricane updates. And the weather channel was like 95% Hurricane Matthew at the time. The other 5%, the only other thing they talked about was Oklahoma and Kansas and the tornadoes moving through, which was JP's area. So uh, I called our moderator to try and make sure he was still uh, still there, that everything was good. So it's good to see all of us were missed. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm like a regular Bill Paxton out here. I know how to, I know, I, I mean, people say that I can talk to the tornadoes and I know how they think, so... <laughs> Uh, yeah. I, they call me, they also call me the extreme. It's a twister joke. Uh, a movie that does not follow structure very well, we'll say. Yeah, you could probably just edit the whole <laughs> hurricane and turn thing right out of the podcast. So just close this out. <laughs> I rambled okay. on about the hurricane. Edit that out for me. <laughs> just, go ahead. I don't think Father Fun's going to call. That's a good place to end it. Join us next week as we talk about fear, and um, <laughs> we're going to talk about Braveheart and why, if you love Jesus, you'll love Braveheart. As I learned many times in college. It's just, it's just getting worse. <laughs> <laughs> the more you try, the worse they're getting. <laughs> <laughs> that one's actually pretty good, though. I think that one's good. All right. Thank you for joining us, and good journey. Bye. Bye.